Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my... He's a little bit sore, but he's still good. Co-host Matt Rossi with me today. How are you doing today, Matt? Uh, a little bit sore, but still good, I guess. <laughs> today we're going to be doing uh, a little bit of, well, a recap. Uh, we've got a lot of messages from you, our Patreon supporters, as well as folks that have been listening to us for a very long time uh, and asking us to cover the most recent cinematic that just released uh in fact the entirety of last week's story element uh as we we're unlocking the chapters of Zareth mortis um as a reminder if you do have questions or suggestions or things that you do want us to cover be sure to go ahead and send them in you can hit us up at podcast at blizzardwatch.com you can also send it in via the discord channel we have one set aside for patron uh, it's patron Q and podcast questions. You can go ahead and put them in there. We do look there first and you can also go ahead and toss them into our Q and podcast questions channel. If you aren't a Patreon supporter, which again, we understand times are tough. Uh, and, uh, occasionally you can also message us on other platforms. As a matter of fact, I think at least a dozen of you hit me up on Twitter, um, asking to make sure that we we cover this sooner rather than later that said that means there is going to be a set of spoilers for the this past week's story quest as well as the uh end scene cinematic revolving around well everybody's favorite and least favorite villain sylvanas before we get started with that one though i think we should probably also talk a little bit about what happened the week prior so the week prior was officially the downfall of the jailer at least as far as the releasing of the story goes uh even if you have not defeated the jailer you can go to zareth mortis and ask our lovely friend mr bolvar uh what happened and he will replay the cinematic in which we show the heroes saving the day as always, uh, which seems to be the case where we turn off the device uh, that was being used and targeted at our plane of existence through ice crown Citadel into Azeroth itself. Uh, and then you see the jailer start to have flashbacks of its life, his life or their life. I don't know uh, how to describe it because we discovered a whole lot of things about the Jailer that week. First is that the Jailer, we already knew, was the Arbiter, but that it is a mantle with a soul, not just a person. The two are tied together. It's almost like the Titans in a lot of ways where we talk about how the Titans have sort of specialties uh, or things that they have. Like you have, you know, ones that focus on a life, one that focuses on time uh, or, or whatever the case is. This is the same way with these beings of death, including the Arbiter. It's a mantle inside of a vessel that needs a soul to power it. And we see the replaying of not exactly what he did to earn this, but the judgment of all of his siblings, for lack of a better term, the other the other pantheon of death. And it's interesting in this moment where they all have this perspective of, what did you do? Why did you try to do this? Why would you, uh, why would you even attempt this? Admonishing him, and then you have Denathrius, who is still Lucen, by the way. But you have Denathrius, who goes, "Why would you try to do it alone?" They strip him of his power. They lock him away in chains inside of the Maw. He officially becomes the Jailer, while the mantle of his is ripped from him and set on autopilot in Oribos, which 
we still don't have confirmation of this, but it seems pretty apparent was placed inside of the stream of souls uh, to basically make sure that they had that Orbos was in sort of like the stopgap. Everything had to go through it, even though the default was sending it to the Maw, which I still think we were correct in saying that that was the original default location, since that's where Zoval is. Uh, he was trapped inside of his own domain, for more of a, for lack of a better term. Then as he's reliving this and he's making a grand statement of, you don't understand, I was doing this essentially because there's something greater and more... Uh, there's, there's something worse coming for the universe. And without this, we are all doomed to fail. Uh, then the power leaves him because now there's nothing to tie him or anchor him anymore. He can be, for lack of a better term, killed where before he couldn't. The mantle of power now resides inside of a new vessel being powered by the anima and soul that is Pelagos, who is the new arbiter. There's no need to keep him around. And as he powers down, his body becomes that blank vessel again. And now we see, and I think you pointed this out last week, Matt, runes that were placed upon him, runes that seemed to be either something that kept him alive so that the mantle was still there or something that was part and parcel with his imprisonment fade from the vessel and it becomes completely inert. Did I miss anything in that description, Matt? Um, the three-day pumpkin eating contest, but otherwise, yeah, you got it all. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes the the rule of the three-day pumpkin eating contest to, to banishes imprisonment. No, um, it was an interesting cinematic just because it gave us a little bit of a little bit of more insight, but also at the same time, nothing more concrete. There's still a lot of things we don't understand, and a lot of things that have not been revealed or uh, for lack of a better term, really sort of discussed. Like we haven't gone through after this event happened and pressed with the Pantheon of Death. Okay, what about these missing pieces? Did you like or not like that? Did you have any thoughts on that one as far as like the cinematic goes? See, you're, you're hitting that side of me that is perverse and wants to be, no, nah, fine. Didn't think nothing. Just, <laughs> just, you know, to make you sit there going, oh God, I got to come up with something because he's not helping. Um, but... I thought it was interesting. I think there's a lot of stuff we're kind of having to assume because they didn't explain it. Like we see the flashbacks of the, the other eternal ones or whatever you want to call them, but we don't, you know, nothing, nothing ever says this is them when, when this first happened, it's implied, but it's not strictly speaking stated. As a result of that, there's a lot still kind of up in the air. For one thing, we don't know. We have no idea what he's talking about. In terms of, you know, you know, if, if, you know, the universe must be made whole, if it is to survive, what is to come? <laughs> like, what do you, what is to come, dude? You kind of trailed off there. Uh, hmm, can someone wake him, like turn him back on? Uh, I, he didn't finish uh, his evil monologue. I'm kind of interested in, uh, I guess not. So that to me is the most interesting thing about the cinematic is all the stuff it doesn't reveal. Um, and between that and the, and the prototype Pantheon, that's an actual fight in the raid. A lot of questions about the nature of the eternal ones comes into existence, especially cause there's no, there's a, a, a prototype Pantheon. There's no prototype jailer there. Did you notice? Sorry, I was taking a drink and then you, you threw me. Um, <laughs> I would say that there's no prototype jailer for a couple of possible reasons. One is that he wouldn't make a prototype of himself. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that this Pantheon, the prototype Pantheon was sitting around this whole time waiting for us, or if he just turned it back on. 
And we have no clarification on that yeah, at all. We have no yeah. clarification on that. So if he comes in and decides he's going to have to replace them, since they're obviously not playing ball with him, uh, he wouldn't bother to make another him. The other possibility is that he did already. And the jailer that we defeat in that final fight was a proxy, that it was the prototype version of him that he made and set to everything. You raise an interesting point, right? Like we, we don't know a lot about what's happening. We assume that the Pantheon of Death, uh, the newly crowned uh, Arbiter Pelagos, as well as everybody we are currently doing this with is smart enough to know that this is the actual jailer that we've defeated, but we don't know. And that's one of the interesting things. And I brought this up on, I think the weekly podcast, uh, something I really like about Xerath Mortis and uh, the Sepulchre of the first one's raid is there's a lot of background stuff. There's a lot of little tiny details that they didn't need to fill in, but they did. And there's some cool points like in the background scene, some of the far off like land formations wondering what's there or what forges or facilities are there because they are different facilities. We go to three of them uh, in our fight. Uh, We go to, you know, a couple on the wings and then we go to like the main one where uh, Zoval is, but there's very clearly more. But also when you're going towards uh, the Pantheon, when you're going through, I think it's Genesis Alpha as the, the area, when you're making your way through that right before you go there, if you look over the sides there's just rows upon rows upon rows upon rows upon rows of blank vessels right before the pantheon, the, the prototype pantheon. So we made an assumption a while ago, and this is sort of a, a confirmation at this moment, at least for me, where we we kind of said that there's millions of doors, at least from what we can see in Oribos, which means there's probably millions of afterlives and there's probably millions of stewards of those afterlives or you know vessels or whatever that have been set to tend them at the whim of the first ones or maybe not maybe it's it's with maybe it's just an automated process that's been going on for a year since we are actually we do discover the forge of afterlives before we go to the sepulchre of the first ones but in that moment we don't know if the jailer made these four new prototype pantheon members did he have a fail safe did he uh, do something to have a contingency plan. Because the other odd thing about it is we make assumptions in the cinematic that the mantle and the soul are tied together intrinsically, but the prototype Pantheon are the mantles as well. They're performing rudimentary functions, but it's like bringing up a, a bare bones computer with like a an archaic programming language. It's still performing the tasks, maybe not at something as level that's been doing it for eons, but it's still doing it. the The prototype of duty still does the same things in battle uh, that you know Kyrestria does. The prototype of war is still doing the things that the Primus does. And so on and so forth. The Denathrius mechanics are very similar to the fight we had with Denathrius in a lot of regards. Uh, and then fighting the Winter Queen, like th- that was inter- the, the prototype of, of renewal was also interesting because we've never seen her power. Not really. She brings things back to life and sends them out. And that's kind of what she does in the fight. So if he was able to bring those online with a rudimentary power, if it was him. Could he have done the same for himself as a backup? Don't know. With no idea. Yeah, no idea. I mean, for very much, he might have very well that it might have been him that we beat. But for all we know, there's a jailer in the basement that just turned on and he went to it. We don't know. 
But after that is the uh, sort of period of time where, uh, for lack of a better term, it's a cool down period. We've defeated him. We come back and we're trying to make sure everything is going according to how it should. Now we have Pelagos in place uh, as the Arbiter, ar- doing Arbiter things. Souls are starting to get routed where they need to go again. Uh, the Maw is no longer anything more than just the place for uh, what is the most dangerous or, or irredeemable souls. Everything is supposed to be functioning. Uh, we have a new uh, person in charge of Revendreth, uh, Denathrius' son, Prince, Prince Renathal, uh, and I say son with air quotes here, uh, is in charge and taking over, and Revendreth is doing what it's supposed to do again. The cycle of, of rebirth is happening again in Ardenwell with Anima flowing to it. Now souls can be sent back when they're fully renewed. Um the Kyrian have been sort of reawoken and reforged into something more than they were before, partially thanks to uh, accidentally Zoval, uh, but also because now Uther is involved and Uther's perspective is as it always was that of like that mentor and teacher that of that bringing different aspects to a lesson. And so, and, and, it's just one of those things you look back on. And it's like, okay, well now the Shadowlands is starting to, to operate more uh, like it's supposed to, or like we were told it's supposed to, there's even more souls and more beans in Oribos, which is an interesting touch and kudos to the team for doing this. This is something I've noticed over the course of the expansion. When we first got to Oribos, Oribos was kind of a ghost town. Uh, and I don't mean that as a pun, uh, but there was just nobody there. Then as we started moving through the chapters and moving through uh, what unlocked in the game, more and more beings started coming to Oribos. It started becoming more of a transitory space, which is what it's supposed to be. And at the end, there's just tons of NPCs everywhere in every corner. And it's not just brokers this time. So it was a nice touch. But now we can talk about this week. And this is probably going to be, for a lot of folks, bitter uh, and for some folks, it'll be great. So again, just kind of hang, hang with us to the end. This week is the Sylvanas's judgment quest line, uh, and also a interactions with important NPCs that were tied to Sylvanas and the actions that she took. This includes uh, Sylvanas herself with different dialogue, depending on what you've chosen in the past, which was a nice touch, uh, whether you rebelled against her, whether you were a loyalist, uh, or whether or not you were alliance. Uh, Taronda, Uther, Jaina, Anduin, uh, again, Greymane, who has different reactions if you are Horde or Alliance, which is, to my recollection, nothing more than like, uh, if you're Alliance, yeah, we're going to get them. And if you're Horde, yeah, I'm going to get you. Uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, Lothramar, Bane, Thrall, Bolvar, Alaria, Verisa, Chandris, and Maeve. The quest line starts in Zareth Mortis, like all the other ones do, with Bolvar giving out the quest uh, for us to uh, sort of carry on our way. We receive the downfall of the Jailer, uh, and then we are sent on our way uh, to basically meet Uther in Oribos with Sylvanas. It is time for her judgment, and we are being sent to help uh, for lack of a better term, protect her, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but we literally take them through a walk in Oribos, surrounded by angry spirits and angry denizens of the Shadowlands, uh, with all of the anima guards, the ones that have been around since the very beginning, creating a perimeter. There are shouts that can be heard from 
the crowd as Uther and uh, we escort Sylvanas around. Uh, you defiled your, our sacred go- groves, says one of the Silvari artisans. Uh, the you did one of the apprentice ritualists uh, from uh, Maldraxxus. Torment is all you deserve. One of the Venthyr, your sins are beyond measure. One of the Kyrians, how many souls have you doomed? An orc soul. We trusted you. You betrayed us all. A night elf soul. My home, my family, all burned to ashes. And then there's Uther in the final moment as we walk up to, I, I think it's Valnashara, the voice of the Arbiter. Is it justice they seek or vengeance? And Sylvanas delivers a line, anger and pain make it difficult to tell the difference. And for me, before I go on, there's a lot of truth in that moment. Um, when you are, I, I liked this entire interaction because it was a little, little thing, but it, it represented a much larger stroke of what Sylvanas's actions have really affected, who it has affected, and the ripples that it will have for a long time to come. But her statement is something that I think is true. When you are angry and in pain, it is very, very hard to tell the difference between justice and vengeance sometimes. And if it consumes you to a certain point and becomes nothing but your focus, can you even tell the line anymore? Is the line even existent? So after that, we arrive at the Arbiter's Chambers, and we talk to several NPCs that are around. They're all the ones that I just named, as well as several denizens of the Shadowlands there. Uh, the most important ones to me is that at this trial, all the named ones and particularly Illyria and Verisa are there, uh, having not seen their sister since the comic where Sylvanas did not have them killed. Um, it was going to be a weird, th- weird interaction, uh, no matter what we talked to. Sylv- we talked to the Arbiter, we talked to Pelagos and the judgment starts. And this is a very interesting moment. And I think this is the divisive cinematic that starts to play. Pelago says that, you know, in your heart, what, whose judgment you must be submitted to. And Sylvanas looks and, and, and it's beautifully done in this moment. You can see the emotions play across her face. And she calls out that she submits to the judgment of Taronda Whisperwind. Taron stalks out of the crowd, uh, and with a very animalistic, very feral posing, uh, which I thought was masterfully done. You could see the anger and tension in her. She walks up to Sylvanas and brandishes one of her war glaives at her throat and says, death is too good for you. And Sylvanas goes, death is a mercy and I do not expect your mercy. And in this moment, there's an exchange of looks between the two. The warglaive is lowered, and Tyrande walks away, saying that the prisoner is in her care. Maeve and Chandris come and grab Sylvanas, and she submits herself, and they walk. We are treated to a scene where the two are overlooking the well of souls, the souls that are going the flow through Oribos down to the Maw. Less souls this time, but still the light and the pull of it is there. All of the other NPCs have joined us at this point. And judgment is rendered. The judgment is that Sylvanas is now doomed, or at least sentenced, to the Maw. But not as a prison, and not necessarily permanently. She is sent there to find every single soul wrongfully condemned to the Maw. And to set them free and send them to where they need to go. To be judged by the Arbiter and sorted to their proper places of eternity. She is then assigned 
a watcher, which I thought was also an interesting move. And I don't remember the name of her companion, but Tehran's Dorna. Dorna, thank you. Is given the task to eternally watch Sylvanas until the task is complete. And with this, Sylvanas nods at her sisters and leaps into the maw. After this, we can go and talk with all of the NPCs that are around with very interesting conversations. Uh, and it's interesting to see what they all think about it. A lot of players were not happy with this cinematic. I personally, I am because it's what I expected. Now I've just talked a lot and I'm going to let Matt give his reactions here. Uh, since Matt plays an elf a lot more than I do. What did you think of this, Matt? I think I cursed my inability to chew fast enough. I've thought a lot about this since I watched the cinematic the first time. And I've watched it a few times since. I don't think there was ever going to be an ending that could possibly satisfy the entire fan base. Um, there are people that I, I know and respect who fundamentally feel like Sylvanas' actions since the beginning of Battle for Azeroth were wildly disparate from the character that they knew. I don't understand how that can be. Mm-hmm. Sylvanas has basically been doing horrible things the entire time that I've known about her in World of Warcraft. I keep coming back to that quest line. The first one that sends you, the horde one that sends you to Ashara to try and get collect stuff from color pools to cure people, to, to cure a poison tauren, which they deliberately did to kill her because it would be interesting to study. And there's nothing you can do about it. And the fact that she's, you know, from the beginning, they were kidnapping people from South Shore and and gnomes and using them as test subjects. Hey, remember from the people original, farm? Yeah, original World of Warcraft. Not even, not even like the stuff they did in Cataclysm of the Farm. Like original WoW, they were doing this. So from my perspective, I there, there never has been a redeeming aspect of Sylvanas. She's an interesting character. But I didn't expect her redemption. And they did they managed to to explain how her personality could have shifted from her living days pretty well without excusing what she did, mm-hmm. which I will give to them. They did a really good job with that. I believe that this Sylvanas does feel remorse, but at the same time remembers every action she took. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a good thing to, to have achieved. And they didn't backpedal from it. Yeah. At no point does Sylvanas claim to have been under the jailer's sway. In fact, when Pelagos tries to hold that up as an option, she flatly rejects it. She says, no, my actions were never my controlled own. me. My actions were my own. Yep. I like that. I think that's a good step. <sighs> the problem here is would killing her have been sufficient. Like she can only die one time. You know what I mean? Like she dies. Okay. It's over. And all the people that suffered, you know, that the, the weight of what she did is far greater than your own life. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations where you sit here thinking, is death a sufficient penance? Is death a significant a sufficient punishment? And it's hard to say yes. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna torture her for like years and years and years so she experiences what all the people she sent to the mall experience, you know? The problem is that her crimes are such that it is it is hard to come up with a, a suitable punishment for it. Now, whether you think that Sylvanas, like there are a lot of people who think Sylvanas is the victim of bad writing by specific people. Uh, actually, can I just rip the bandaid off here? Yeah, go for it. A lot of people think Alex Afrasiabi had a grudge against Dave Kosak. Because of what happened to Garrosh. Yeah, because of what happened to Garrosh, who was Afrasiabi's you know, creation. 
And so Afrasiabi sabotaged Sylvanas. Now, I get why people say that. I don't think he did a lot to make her any worse than she was before, but I do get why people say that. And it certainly is, I will not put it past him. I don't know what he did. I wasn't there. Um, but we've learned a lot about Alex Afrasiabi recently that, that it suggests he might have been that petty. I, I can't comment to it. But if you're one of the people who feels that way, this will not satisfy you because Sylvanas is basically gone. She will be gone for who knows how long. We're not going to see her for a while. That's not what people who like Sylvanas want. They want to see Sylvanas. They, they want her to be around. But I think it is the best possible outcome for everybody. You know, it, it's, the, it's the one that is, no one is satisfied by it. I don't think Taronda was satisfied by it. I think it was just the best they could come up with. Well, and I it's a situation, and I'm talking in-game. I'm not talking the writing team. I'm talking in-game. It's the best solution they could come up with to attempt to redress not just it's not just to punish her. That's not the goal of this wasn't just, you know, let's punish Sylvanas because she's already living her punishment. Mm -hmm. The goal is to as much as you can fix it. It can't be fixed. It can't be undone, but you can you can do some work to to, you know, I don't know what word to use, ameliorate, redress, uh return, you know, give give these people some kind of peace. Uh, save the the unjustly imprisoned in in the maw You're, from that fate. In, indemnifi it's almost indemnification, right? It's trying to make whole again what was what was done or what was taken. Yeah, you, right? you can't, you know. I think that there's a there's there's a really truth to the statement that you know no trauma can ever really be fixed. You can't undo trauma, but you can attempt to to rebuild mm -hmm. or to build something new in its place. I think that's what this goal. The goal of this is. You know, Sylvanas will will be spending her time dealing with the ramifications of her actions. It's like, you know, what's that? You know, oh no, it's the consequences of my actions. That this is the consequences of her actions, and therefore, it's a way to I, again, punishment doesn't really feel like it's the, it's the answer here. It doesn't feel like it's what they were going for, but it's an attempt to, you know, you did this. Now you will have to spend your time doing whatever you can to fix it to redress. <laughs> Even even Tron says that like I think this must there must be a reason why Mother Moon spared my hand when I had the opportunity to end her life right and it's and it's something that a lot of players have been talking about since that one happened where in the middle of Ardenweld there's a moment where Tron catches Sylvanas with all the mm -hmm. power of of the the Night Warrior and the Night Warrior power flows away from her at the moment of her quote unquote victory. And we've been speculating as to why, but I think that might be part of what it is. All of these souls for so long have been condemned to the maw that this is a, it's a fitting task. It is one of the, it, for lack of a better term, it is a, it is not a redemption. It is a task of prove your, prove your grief, prove that you feel the way you say you do. And because that's a big part of this as well, because since and we'll get into to character uh, statements and reactions in, in a moment. But the entire time, once her piece of her missing soul is is shoved back into her, there's this internal conflict of the part of her that was that only remembered being the Ranger General up to the moment of her death and reliving that moment over and over and over again, but not breaking like some of the other souls is shoved back into the one scenario that would break her is 
Sylvanas's nobility and strength of purpose being pushed to this the 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 understanding that I'm a monster and I've done all of these horrible horrible things and that was a huge plot point where until she accepted that yes this is me this is this is what I've done this this is not a caricature of myself this is not a twisted malformed version of me it is but it's not it's not something that was dominated it's not like when i was the banshee under the control of arthas where i was forced to do things but trapped in my own body no these are choices that i have to understand that i made these are things i did these are horrors i caused and now well, I she think regrets even alluded it, right? to it's even alluded to in the anduin cinematic when they they figure out that you know the force that was used to bind Anduin was powered by Arthas's soul. Mm -hmm. It's the part that Uther threw into the maw. And she even says, you know, for years I I wanted revenge and then I I became him. Like something she couldn't see. The the very thing she says about vengeance versus justice. She wanted vengeance for so long that she could no longer see what she was doing. It, It no longer, like it didn't matter to her anymore. Whatever she had to do, she'd do. And when you get to the point where you'll do anything to achieve your end, anything covers a lot of ground. It, it covers, you know, she literally would, you know, would have done exactly what she did do. She'd burn down Teldrassil. She'd do anything. Mm-hmm. She wasn't kidding about the anything. Once you get to that point, you know, it, it's the difference between being somebody who was the victim of someone who would do anything for his goals versus being someone who would do anything for their goals. And so. And there's other there are other realizations too that that people haven't talked about. Like we we speculated that Nathanos willingly went to his death, knowing that he would be reunited with her. And there is there there was something to that. But when he did die, I personally believe that his soul got into the jailer's private collection. And among all of those gems, I have the screenshots of all of the names, and there there are a couple of them that could actually be Nathanos. Um, so she, the, the realization that Nathanos wasn't coming when, when she realized that Nathanos was dead. And then that's when the cracks started to form of, of resolution, right? Like it, it, is everything I've been doing the right thing, but I'm still too far along. I have to keep going. And now that everything is back together, you're right. Like it's, it's a sort of like this. She realizes that she became the monster that she sought to defeat and keep keep happening from happening to the rest of the universe ever again. I I'm in the same camp. I think that there there's almost no possible way that you can reach a resolution that will 100% satisfy everybody. So I think that there's a certain amount of, if you disappoint everybody equally, it it's okay. And I think this is intentional and I don't mean that it was bad. I want to make that perfectly clear. The cinematic, the writing, the delivery of the voice acting, was absolutely phenomenal. It has been top notch this entire expansion, but the emotion on display here, and in fact, the last three cinematics we've had have just been absolutely stupendous. No, instead, this is a solution that the people that want Solanus dead are not going to be happy with because she's still alive. She can still come back. The people that love Solanus won't be happy with because she's removed from the story for an indeterminate amount of time. There is She's not going to be there instantaneously at the next expansion. The reason that I like this personally, and Matt and I have talked about this at length, as a villain, as a character, as a story point, Sylvanas has been complicated and interesting for a very long time. Has it always been good? 
No, sometimes there's been missteps, but she's also a character that has existed for over 20 years. You're going to have things that hiccup. Some of my favorite books that have existed for a very long period of time, the main character has made mistakes or or has been the author has written them in a way that did not make me happy. That's going to happen. That's just that's the way things transpire. But now she can try to make whole again some of the damage she caused because it doesn't necessarily, again, the judgment isn't just for the souls from Teldrassil. It's all of the souls she condemned, which means those alliance, those gnomes, those, the, the, the Vrykrul, the, basically everybody that wanted being experimented on or killed or destroyed at her hands, the, the battle for Azeroth, that tide sage, all of the things that occurred there, she can start unraveling and working back from. She can start undoing some, not all, of the tragedy she caused. And I think that's important because, again, it's ripples. It's ripples that are going to last. But this also means that if there is a moment later on where it would make sense for her to reemerge story-wise, she's still available, just like Thrall was. Thrall had been gone for a while. Um he came back at some important story moments because it made sense to bring back Thrall in those moments. Totally understandable. Thrall was present throughout this expansion, and now he's going to go home. He's going to go back to his wife and kids. He's probably going to be off the table for a while because he's completed what he needed to do. But now we have that option with Sylvanas again as well. And that's something I appreciate as somebody who likes storytelling is you're not eliminating those options, and it could potentially be something interesting later. Yeah, I'm divided because intellectually, a lot of what Joe's saying makes sense to me, but I don't, I've been mocked for this. I've had people straight up tell me that, you know, it's just a game. Why do you care so much? But it wasn't just a game to me. My wife and I started playing World of Warcraft together as a means to stay in contact because we were separated and we weren't married yet. Um, We used it basically as, I mean, we played the game. We went out and killed monsters and did all that stuff, but we also would just hang out on the dock in, in the um, Amenethil Harbor and just talk uh, because we couldn't, we didn't actually get to see each other in real life. Uh, we ra- we got into a raid guild together and raided in vanilla. Um, the night I got my sulfuros, uh, we I proposed to her. I mean, that's that's been a part of our lives for, at this point, decades. You know, we got married in 2006. Uh, there has not been a time since we got married that we have not had World of Warcraft around until Battle for Azeroth. The opening of Battle for Azeroth was not good for us. We did not want to see Teldrassil burn down. Uh, we did not want to see the thousands of Night Elves burn to death. Um, we understood what they were doing, story-wise, narratively, but it still wasn't fun for us to play these these elf characters with this going on. Yeah, me and a, even me as a shaman, like I hated that. I hated that entire thing. That's not something that I would have participated in. Yeah, and ever since, it has affected my enjoyment of the game. It, it has. I'm glad that this is over. I'm very glad that this is over. And hopefully the next expansion will not retread any of this. Uh, I want us to move past it so I can maybe get back to enjoying WoW the way I used to. But narratively speaking, I, I don't. I don't like this because I don't like any of it. And not that it was bad or poorly written or anything like that. I've said repeatedly that I think in terms of their craft, uh, the writing has never been better. Uh, The last three WoW expansions, the writing has been amazing. 
that's not my problem. Uh, my problem is a completely subjective one of not enjoying, like there are some really great books out there. One of my favorite books uh, is the brothers Karamazov, but I can't read the brothers of Karamazov very often because it is a huge bummer. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it well done? Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, Dostoevsky, you know, he's a master, but it's still a really effing hard book to slog through. Uh, There are others. Um, Something can be good, but not be what you wanted from the thing. You know, that that's, that's something that, that comes to my mind often when I think about this. It's like, it's not that this was bad or poorly done or anything like that. It's that I did not want it. And it's been really hard for me to, to, to separate my critical faculties from my reception of it as someone who is playing it. I think critically speaking, they absolutely nailed it. And this was absolutely the best way they were going to end it because it doesn't erase her personal responsibility. It doesn't excuse her. It doesn't make excuses for her. It doesn't give her any weight. And there's no doorway out of it where she, she just dodges it and goes on like nothing happened. You know, she doesn't show up Monday at the horde meeting and be like, Hey guys, what's up? You know? And so I think it is possibly the best they could possibly have done with it. But selfishly, some part of me wanted, wants her gone and to never hear from or see her again, even though intellectually I've said, I mean, I've said a hundred times that Sylvanas is a fascinating, compelling, contradictory character who by her nature has created a ton of story. And she's like, I mean, war crimes, war crime Sylvanas literally broke my heart. Like it was yeah, the saddest, 100%. saddest thing to read. So yeah, it, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to it. I have a lot of responses to it, but I think ultimately while I emotionally don't, I mean, emotionally, it's not something I wanted intellectually. I think this might be the best they were going to get. And I, I would agree with that I because think. the only other option would have been to just kill her. And I think they kind of addressed that's not like I've said before, I, I think I was just saying it killing her. It's not just that it's merciful. And, and T- Sylvanas is absolutely dead on when she says that to Taronda death would be a mercy. And I do not expect your mercy. And then you have Taronda later saying, you know, there must be some reason that the moon goddess did this. And you know, I, I'm her servant sort of thing <sighs> from a writing perspective. Killing Sylvanas now is a waste of the character. She, she can do a lot. Uh, you know, she can, she can play a lot of different roles. Uh, especially since now she is a different person, which uh, without excusing her from her previous actions, without erasing what she did, she now has a different perspective. Literally, it's like a it's like a uh, metaphor for realizing that it, like her entire her entire character arc. This expansion has been: Am I the baddie? Like, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah, and the best part 100%. is that even before they even before the jailer put her soul back in like together as a punishment, she was having these thoughts. You could see it every time she'd interact with Anduin, she'd like have this look on her face, like, wow, somebody has just farted. And it was very much, you know, that look of mm, I'm gonna have to ignore you because I gotta keep going, but man, this is hard. So yeah, I, I think there are aspects to this that are not satisfactory to me. They don't they don't well, not not satisfactory. They don't satisfy me. Mm-hmm. Because to satisfy me, you would have to destroy the narrative. Like intellectually, I get it, but emotionally, I just, I wanted her gone. I understand why she's not, but it's going to take me a while before I can just be dispassionate about it. In a way, they did exactly what they set out to do in that they told a story that has a huge amount of emotional resonance for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. But that's also why some people, some people really, really identified with Sylvanas. 
And for rightly so, because Sylvanas has been through a lot. And a lot of it, I don't think you can do an analysis of Sylvanas' character without pointing out that a lot of the stuff Sylvanas suffered in her life was done because some man decided they wanted something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just ran roughshod over her life. So... I get why people identified with her. I get why people thought of her as like really great. I get why people loved her as a character. So yeah, I, 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 I keep coming back to that idea that there's no way, there is no way that somebody who really loves Sylvanas and I were ever going to be happy with an ending at the same time, but you can make an ending that leaves both of us unsatisfied. And th- that's probably the best ending I, and because yeah. it's one that that's one that, Everybody gets to see something happen that is at least in line with what they would like, you know, but, but nobody really gets everything they wanted. So that, that's kind of all I've got for analysis. I think, I mean, we could sit down and do like a disparate, like what did happen to Thanos? Like, did he get his, is he sitting in like a uh, Torghast somewhere and like the jailer's private soul connect collection? Is he just wandering around the mall? Like who knows? But we'll probably find out an answer to that at some point because I think that's a loose end that they'll get a little tug or at least uh, something later on because there is zero chance that Taronda won't be checking in regularly on the progress that Sylvanas is making. Uh, I'm going to talk about right now since we have about eh, 10, 15 minutes left in the podcast here, uh, the after text the conversations that you can have with the npcs after everything has gone down because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that that i think is important here um although i will start with the stuff of with sylvanas before you watch her jump into the mall uh if you are somebody who rebelled against her uh she basically says i was recently reminded that we cannot change the past if you choose to hate me for the things i've done i could not blame you for it but know this we shared common cause once and you have proven your dedication to the horde time and again i hope that you will continue to defend it no matter what may come i think that is a really nice touch uh as far as that goes as a horde player who did rebel against her uh at least it's something that's like yes okay you were right to to you know not follow me. If you are a loyalist, and I'm looking at you, Mitch, uh, you have shown me loyalty time and again, even when others spurned you for it. Even when my own actions did not merit such dedication, I'm not certain what fate awaits me, but if one day I have need of trusted allies, I know that I can call upon you. And I think that's an important thing because, again, it's a reminder. She's not gone, not completely, not totally She's just unlikely to be back for a long time. Yeah, it's basically what they've done in other expansions with other characters. It's not that they got rid of them. They just took them off the stage for a while. Yeah, it's the Poochie approach, uh, if anybody is a a Simpsons fan out there. Uh, And then you have the Alliance player, where it's nothing I can say or do can change what I have done. My judgment is at hand, and I accept what comes. In life, I fought to protect my home. It is good that Azeroth has you and your allies to defend her. Farewell. Now we get into the... Uh, other NPCs, Tarand, uh, the Banshee tore a gaping wound in the soul of my people. She set her home aflame and sent countless Calderai to the Maw. Whatever judgment the Arbiter hands down can never balance the scales. Nothing can he can do or say will ever be enough. Uh, Uther, in life, Sylvanas Windrider served as Ranger General of Silver Moon. If you had told her then of the atrocities she would commit and undeath, she would have she would not have believed you. We all sometimes harbor darkness in our hearts. I nearly succumbed to mine. What I did to Arthas could have become the first step in the path of damnation. Yet from understanding flows compassion, and compassion can save us from any darkness. It is an ideal to which we must all aspire, though we must never forget 
that it does not come easily. I love this because it is true. Uh, it is it, it is a very Uther response. Uh, I'm very glad that Uther was back for this because, yeah. Uh, and on that same chain uh, of, of people that definitely understand hatred, Jaina as well. Hatred is a cycle, one that is all too easy to perpetuate, and forgiveness does not come easily to those who have been wronged. Years ago, I implored others to set aside their grievance and bring that cycle to an end. Not only now, after so much has happened, do I grasp the enormity of what I was asking. Hatred and guilt have haunted me, as they have so many others. I still believe this cycle can be broken, though it takes relentless effort and a great deal of time. Anduin, uh, the shadow of things I've seen, what the jailer forced me to do, hangs over me. For the part you played in setting me free, I will always be grateful, but I cannot pretend that I can simply go back to being the person I was. I need time. Uh, for if you are Alliance, it follows up with, I must ask more of you. The Alliance will need your dedication now more than ever. If you are a Horde, no doubt the Horde will rely upon your courage in the days ahead. Defend Azeroth no matter what comes. Then you have, uh, again, Greymane. Uh, I will never forgive the Banshee for what she did to Tildarossal or Gilneas or my son. This is if you're Alliance. But for now, our, fo our focus must turn to Anduin. He will need our help to recover from what he's endured. If you're Horde, I refuse to believe that your fallen war chief feels even the slightest remorse for her crimes. When will she answer for what she did to my people, to my son? And then he glares at you. You have much to answer for as well. Lothamar, when Sindorai are, or we Sindorai are no strangers to suffering and tragedy, I've seen my people massacred, my kingdom raised, and all I revered defiled. When Silvermoon at last rejoined the world, it was Sylvanas who extended her hand and welcomed us into the Horde. Those days are long behind us now. Devastation and loss inflicted upon Azeroth by the Banshee Queen is nigh incalculable. The knowledge that I stood by while so much of it happened still haunts me. Perhaps in the end, judgment will come for me as well. Bane, Sylvanas had me imprisoned and tortured for defying her. Twice, actually. Uh, though the pain she inflicted upon me pales in comparison to that of her other victims. For a time, I hated her for what she did to me and to the Horde, but hatred is a poison. Once it seeps into your veins, it will spell your doom. It is right that Sylvanas faces justice for all she has done. The guilty must stand before those they have wronged and answer for their crimes. I promise I'm almost done. Uh, Thrall, when Sylvanas sent her Mossworn to capture me, all I wanted was to escape to leave the Shadowlands behind me and return to my home, my family. And yet, this journey has taught me so much about my mother, about myself, about the legacy we all leave behind. This was not the path I'd have chosen, but perhaps it was the path I needed to walk. Bolvar, I sat for years upon the frozen throne. I felt a malevolent shadow upon my mind. I did not realize it was the Jailer attempting to twist me into yet another of his pawns. It took all my resolve to resist his influence, and still, I have no way of knowing how many of my actions furthered Ice Crown Citadel's true purpose. This is the most insidious about him. Even after the Jailer's defeat, the doubt he sowed within each of us lived on. Then we have the sisters, and uh, I think I'm going to end it with those ones. As I fought the demon for centuries across the twisting, this is Illyria, to the twisting nether, I clung to the hope that I would one day hold my son again and stand behind, beside my sisters once more. I could never have imagined the fate that befell Sylvanas or the monstrous choices she would make thereafter. Varisa desperately hopes that the return of her soul fragment means that our sister has been returned to us. I am less certain, but I have learned to be patient. I will be watching. And then Verisa, after witnessing Sylvanas's deeds during the war, I feared the last vestige of the sister I knew was gone forever. But when I heard what transpired here in the Shadowlands, I had to come see for myself. 
I'd understand if you thought me a fool for still having hope, but I've lost so many that I've loved. If even if there is a chance that the spark of Sylvanas I knew has returned, then I refuse to give up on her. There's an echoing trend here among all of the interactions, which is understanding something that is hard to do in the moment or the heat of, of battle or the heat of events that are occurring. We'd often talk about how quickly we move from tragedy to tragedy, never stopping to really understand the consequences of what transpired or to see if we have a full understanding of what's going on. This is the first time I think I've actually seen NPCs in game be this reflective, be this sort of composed and looking back over a long period of time. Most of the interactions we have after major events are contained to the what happened in those major events and then picking up pieces thereafter. Here it's understanding what darkness can overtake us, how it is so easy to slip from being righteous to being uh, damned, how there is this very large shadow that will hang over so many souls now because of what the jailer had access to and the influence and what occurred. And it brings up an interesting point that we've talked about. I think Matt brought this up many times. The jailer does not have to dominate you or did not have to dominate you. He just had to dangle the right carrot in front of you to make you do what he wanted you to do. That's what he did. And it becomes a moment where these characters now have to take stock of everything that happened and look forward. The raw hope in the Windrunner sisters that Sylvanas will be returned to them in some form. The uh, pain that was caused to the Worgen twice over now at this point. Uh, their home was taken from them by the, the Forsaken under the, the hand of Sylvanas. And then it was happened again when Teldrassil burned they suffered just as much as anybody else. And knowing that that wound is something that will always be there. Tarant, who was trusted with the safety of her people and, and for lack of, I don't want to say failed, but that was taken from her. Innocents were taken, not warriors, not people who dedicated themselves to battle women and children and artisans and older folks and people that were just there to make Teldrassil a home. Everything is felt in this moment, in the interactions that we have with all of these NPCs, with the walk up to the final determination of fate and judgment, and even in the moments of the aftermath of her jumping into the Maw, where after everything is said and done, the only two that remain behind are the Windrunner sisters, who then talk about what the future will bring. One who has lost almost everything, but still has her children. The other who has her child and her husband, but is at odds where void lives in her. Now she is mastering it, or at least attempting to, and to keep it from taking control of her or drowning her own thoughts and emotions. A husband who is a wielder of the light in such a profound way at odds with her. I think she now understands more Sylvanas position than ever before as she literally has a voice in her head telling her to do things it's going to be really interesting moving forward and again despite i think almost everybody not being 100 percent satisfied with this ending i think it fits and i think that is the most important part it fits and it hits that emotional value that we all feel towards it Matt pointed out that people have made fun of, of him for his connection to this game. Uh, me as well. I don't want anybody to feel 
uh, out of sorts or, or wrong for feeling a certain way about this game. For a lot of us, this has been a story that has taken up a large portion of our life. Uh, we are tied up in its events. We have been playing it with friends and family. Some we have lost, uh, some who are still with us. We have made connections through this game, through the, the action of playing a simple MMO, uh, that have reverberated and echoed for, in some of our cases, decades. Uh, I've stood at a friend's wedding. I have met the love of my life because of the game. Matt did as well. Um, we it's okay to feel strongly about this. It is also okay in this moment to feel very strongly about what happens in the story. It is heavy. It is emotional. It is meant to be. And I do want to take a moment to commend the writers and the cinematic team for their handling of it. It's really easy to glad hand uh, uh, and wipe away. Oh, trauma occurred and walk away to the next big thing because it's a game about heroes. That's something I remember hearing years ago. Heroes can still feel. Heroes should still feel. And we are all heroes. So how you feel about the cinematic, good or bad, how you feel about the interactions, good or bad, totally valid. Don't let anybody make you feel bad about it. Before I take us on our outro, I'm going to kick it over to Matt for one last thing. Is there anything else you want to add about anything we talked about today, Matt? Taronda's looking hench. <laughs> She really is. Sorry. The, after you went through like that very emotional thing and I felt the need to, it's like, you know, tension breaker had to be done, <laughs> but seriously, dang, I, I saw a lot of Taronda thirst on my, my Twitter feed. A lot of it from, from people who normally had never thought anything of her. Uh, a few people discovering that they were into women for the first time. Um, yeah, it was something Taronda's like bulked up. It was looking pretty good actually. Uh, I like the fact that you finally get that sense of night elf to versus other elf proportions. Mm-hmm. Like Taronda want, walking around Sylvanas doing the whole, you know, you will do this. And she's like, Oh, okay. You're way bigger. <laughs> I had not realized this, but yeah, it's it, it, that, the, you know, a lot of the character stuff was really good in terms of their, I hate to call it acting, because it's just models being animated, but at the same time, the models are being animated extremely well. Um, that's one of the things about the cinematic that I really noticed was you get a lot of the personality of the characters through gestures, the and subtlety. expressions, yeah, the and inflections. Subtlety. So yeah, that that was really nice as well. Um, I want to see what goes on next with the characters who are going to be around. I want to see what Taronda does in the next expansion. Um, I want to see what. If we're, if Anduin's not going to go back to to Stormwind, is he going to hang out in the Shadowlands, or is he going back to Azeroth to discover who he is? How is that going to work? Um, Road trip. Turalyon Turalyon certainly seems to have a, a very militaristic view that's going to be different than what Anduin would have done. Uh, so I, I I don't know. It's it is something that there's a lot of possibilities here for future story, and I am interested to see what they are. Um, I also like again. And that Gen has never changed. Mm-hmm. Gen, he formed his opinion, and he's he's holding it. You know, he does not. He's never thought that the horde could be trusted, and he doesn't think the horde can be trusted now. And it's kind of hard to argue with them. Yeah, you know, uh, the the exchange you didn't mention this one, but the exchange between Lorthamar and Gen was perfect on both their parts. Every time they've interacted, it's been yeah. perfect. Lorthamar is always. Lorthamar is a very deep thinker. 
He, he really thinks a lot about the things he says and does. Gen is not, not that Gen isn't clever, not that Gen isn't intelligent. Gen is, he's a worgen. And at heart, he was always a worgen. Before he was even bitten, before he was ever infected, he was a worgen. Mm-hmm. Gen sees a situation, makes a decision, and acts on it. This is the guy that gave, that ripped Terranus a new one in his own throne room before he stalked away. This is the guy who built a giant wall and gave up half of his country to, to seal away his people behind this, in, this huge barrier. Like everyone forgets this, all that t- territory in Silverpine going up to Lordaeron, that was Gilneas. Mm-hmm. It wasn't part of Lordaeron. It was Gilneas. He deliberately abandoned it and, and caused a rebellion. You know, his own people attacked him. Darius Crowley, one of his best friends, straight up was like, you're leaving my lands out there. Right? You know, there's so I thought that their interaction was really good. I liked how Gen was being hostile, but Lothamar wasn't returning it. Because Lothamar is hundreds of years older than Gen and realizes there's no point to this. Uh, I can't I'm not gonna fight him out of hating my guts. I'll just let him feel how he feels. You know? So there's, also, there's but, a lot of that interaction was really good. But there's also an element of like understanding too, when Lothamar like deals with Gen, because at the end of the day, like there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah. Gen's been through a lot of the stuff that Lothamar went through first. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, but at the same time, Gen's, you know, then perhaps he shouldn't have followed her orders. And it's like, you know, that is exact what, exactly what Lothamar is thinking. Yep. That in fact, he shouldn't have. That, mm-hmm. that he is disturbed that it took him so long to finally say enough is enough. Um, th- there's a lot of this. It's it's some really interesting dialogues going on here. So I'm I'm fascinated to see what we get in the next expansion. As am I. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for today because uh, it's it's a lot. Uh, and again, if you you are right to feel how you want to feel about it, but and hopefully this goes without saying, do not attack the devs over the choices that were made. If you disagree with it, or if you feel strongly about it, that's fine. Offer constructive criticism. Uh, but I don't want to see any of our, our listeners. And I don't think you would, you guys are good, right? You guys are okay. Yeah. Uh, don't have the hatred and vitriol that's been out there. Um, as I've seen some recent folks have been flinging at, uh, Christy golden again, uh, after the release of the Sylvanas book, uh, which we will be covering at some point in the very near future, possibly next week. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take us out unless there's anything else you want to add. Uh, the pumpkin pie eating festival would have solved everything if they'd just done it. You know, I agree. Uh, honestly, blizzard that one's for free for me and Matt, just pumpkin, eat, pumpkin pie eating contest. Let's go. It'll solve all the all Vazros woes. Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and that's free site experience. Uh, again, I'm going to put this in here with the hope that one day I don't have to. Uh, but as a reminder, all of us at Blizzard Watch continue to stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard as well as the rest of the game industry as they work in demanding a change for a better working environment, a safer tomorrow, uh, and at this point, unionization. Uh, so we're still with you there. But with that, folks, we'll see you next week. Hold up. 
subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.